0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the CGF Sustainability Podcast with me, Louise Chester. In this series, we take a deep dive into all things sustainability, from forced labor to plastic waste and the circular economy, to food waste, forests, and so much more. Today I have the pleasure of speaking to Moira Burenz and Sebastian Gatzer from McKinsey. Over the past month the CGF's Food Waste Coalition has been working really closely with McKinsey to look in detail at where food gets lost upstream between the farm and the retailer and they focused on tomatoes as a case study for this work. So together they've uncovered common drivers, actionable levers and the role manufacturers and retailers can play to be part of the solution. So as a result they've developed an approach to help coalition members and their businesses design an action plan and effectively address upstream losses in their supply chains. So as you can tell there's just so so much to dig into here so let's meet them both and get started. Hi Moira, hi Sebastian, thank you so much for joining me today on the CGF podcast. How are you both doing?
1: Hey, Louise, uh, doing great and super happy to be with you today.
2: I'm also doing very well. Thanks a lot. And thanks for having us today.
0: You're very welcome. It's such a pleasure to have you both on. So I wanted to start out by asking you why McKinsey and the CGF decided to collaborate on this topic of food loss and waste.
2: So the answer is is relatively simple because the topic is very, very important. One third of, of the food that is produced for for human consumption globally is, is, is lost or wasted today and some sources even say it's 40 percent. All the resources that go into food production of food that is never eaten um, are scarce and we are talking about fresh water here, we are talking about land, um, labor um, as well as other resources and um, we have we have nothing to waste here. And also talking about climate, the, the food sector in total accounts for 25% of greenhouse gas emission globally. And if if we only look at at food loss that is around eight percentage point of global emission is uh, to put this in, in, into perspective, the global aviation industry accounts for 2.5% of emission 2.5 versus 8% that comes from from food that is wasted or lost. So this is, this is clearly an imperative to, to tackle this. And for the CGF, the, the, the topic of food waste and food loss is a big concern for many years. It's a, it's a priority in the CGF's global strategy. And you have been doing great projects on reporting on the 10-20-30 initiative. And finally, on um, how to engage the different stakeholders on the upstream food loss topic. And this is, uh, we had a McKinsey with a similar view on it. For us, sustainability is also high on the agenda. We see ourselves as, as the catalyst for the sustainability transition. And this is particularly true for our consumer goods and retail practice, as well as for our um, agricultural practice. We wanna be in the arena with our clients and, and truly help them to transform the business towards net zero, towards sustainability and all the aspects. Um, um that comes with it. So then that was the reason why we are we haven't hesitated to join forces again. We worked together on other topics like waste management. But for this crucial topic, of course, we agreed to work together. And we have not been the forum and McKinsey alone. We had great pilot members um, who joined us um, on the on this project.
0: Mm, wonderful. So then Perhaps this next question can be for you, Moria. So why would retailers and food CPGs actually care about the topic, you know, especially when it comes to upstream and outside of their own operations?
1: Well, look, um, think about it, right? You're in the supermarket and as a consumer and you buy your grocery for your family and you have three bags. And then right before you leave, something happens and one of those bags disappears and you're now left with two. What are you going to do? At some point, you're gonna be like, excuse me, I have three bags. Now, if we put ourselves in the shoes in of the retailers or the food manufacturers, this is what happens in their value chain. And that third bag, half of it is actually lost upstream, right, before it actually reaches the third door. So when in your own supply chain, you're realizing that you're losing so much of the product, so much of the value, it's clear there's a huge opportunity. And actually what we found is that it's not just one, it's five. It's an environmental opportunity. As Sebastian was saying, scope three emit like CO2 emissions that translate for retailers and food manufacturers into scope three targets. It's a regulatory opportunity because even before the current crisis, governments were becoming increasingly aware that food loss and waste was an issue they needed to focus on. With some governments already giving companies some Pretty clear deadlines to figure it out. It's a risk reduction opportunity around volatility management and supply assurance. And that's not anymore a long-term situation issue that we're seeing. We're seeing it today, between the current weather, between the current events, supply assurance and volatility in food is becoming a critical topic. It's also an economic opportunity. As Sebastian was saying, last, you know loss and waste, those are symptoms of inefficiency. So it's not about reducing a fuzzy externality, it's about getting rid of an inefficiency. It's a hidden cost that we found can be equal to or even greater than retailer profits. Last but not least, it is a natural opportunity. Retailers and food manufacturers are at the center of the food supply chain. They are the link between the upstream and the downstream, the growers and the packers on the one end and the consumers on the other hand. They are key decision makers. They are unifiers. They really have a high leverage potential, let's say, over the whole system and can drive the change, lead the change together with the other players.
0: Brilliant, thank you, Moira. You're so right. I, I love that you said it's just it is basically a natural opportunity, and you know the business case for working on this topic is is so strong. Um, so my next question relates to key drivers, and I wondered whether you could talk a bit more about what the key drivers of loss actually are, and the role that retailers and manufacturers play in driving these losses, and and You know, what actions do you think that they could really take to mitigate them? So I'll direct that question to to both of you, whoever wants to answer first.
1: Well, I'll give it a quick start. Look, um, there are several sets of drivers. Like think about, you know, the weather, the pests, or the way we um, manufacture or farm um, the product. But what our research has found, what our collaboration has found is that there's this big set of driver that we called cross-value chain drivers. And those drivers directly result from kind of the value chain interdependencies, right? How the different players work with each other, uh, the decisions that are being made at different steps that may impact another one. And of course, the typical one is the specifications, like quality standards that can lead to uh, leaving product on the field, leaving products at the packaging. But it's also about the way we collaborate and coordinate on supply chain, right? Like um, how we match the supply, the supply and the demand, how much visibility each player has into the other one, and how this enables or not their planning, and may lead to overproduction on the one end, lost product on the um, on the other. So there is this whole set of drivers that are really linked about, uh, to how we work together, and that. These are the drivers that are the entry points for food manufacturers and retailers because they can really realize, wait one second, I can do things differently. There are decisions I can change. There are ways of working I can adapt, right? That can influence the whole chain. So from there, we can kind of start pulling on the whole thread. So what can they do? Um, What we're seeing is really three big building blocks. One is, you know, understand what's happening. Keyword, transparency. Then once we have that, it's really like, okay, well, figure out based on, you know, your transparent position, what you can do about it. And then finally enable the change. So when we're talking about improving transparency, I think we need to talk about the challenges, right? Um, and the big challenge that we're gonna have is that the estimates are initially going to be underestimated why because food loss is seen but not necessarily perceived as an issue because it's just the way we do business it's just the way it's always been happening so why is it a loss why is it a problem and the second thing is there is no real owner of the data what we saw when we were collaborating with uh, with some of the cgf members is that we sometimes got rejection data people were telling us well see look it's so small we reject so little because they only had rejection data from one function, from one department in the organization. Hmm. And they didn't know they didn't realize that okay, they had supply chain, but there was quality, there was store ops that had other data. So that those are the, the kind of challenges that you will encounter as you put together this data, but it's it's still manageable and it's still something I mean we've done it, right? So it's totally possible to put it together. The other thing, the other blockage that people will find will often encounter is that they will look for the perfect data. And that data does not exist. At least today, it is not possible to super precisely estimate how much exactly is lost, especially as you go up the value chain. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether you lose one, 1.1, or 1.5 tomatoes. What matters is you lose one, 10, or 100. And where do you lose it? So what we really encourage retailers and CPG manufacturers to do when they look for this data is find the directionally correct one, the one that enables you to move to action. and. Once you've done that, you know, once you're ready to move to action, there are two things that you really need to keep in mind. The first one is, you know, we've developed levers and themes to address food loss, but there is not one perfect combination that will be right for everyone. You will need to find the best fit for your context based on your hotspots and what you've mapped. Yeah. Uh, and the second big realization is some of those actions will require big shifts. Um, it will require you, uh, you know, the players to work differently to better match supply and demand. And this will require much more communication and transparency. It will require changing the way we buy and sell procurement and selling practices. Uh, moving away maybe from a very commoditized view to something that is more towards collaboration and has an incentive system That takes into account more than some more transactional variable. And finally, it's really about moving from a mindset of, you know, loss, food loss is kind of like an operational problem. It's a cost to a mindset of, yeah, food loss is actually a sales opportunity because you can turn that loss and sell much more of it. So to recap, understand what's happening, um, define the program that's right based on what you've mapped and kind of consider that you are going to have to change some of the ways that you interact uh, within the value chain.
0: Brilliant, thank you, Moira. Sebastian, did you have anything to add to that question or should I move us on to the next?
2: Luis, Luis, just to emphasize what Moira just said, a lot of initiatives that we currently see are focusing on downstream. That's the majority of initiatives. And it's the easier part. When we develop the lever toolbox for the upstream losses, these are very complex and often supply chain overarching levers. So there are no quick wins, but it's doable. And if as Mora described, if you as a manufacturer or as a retailer define the right set of focus areas and levers for your company, you will see that you can make a huge step and that it's gonna be paying off in the in the short and the midterm
0: great thank you so i know that you you just mentioned moira enabling change as an action that you know retailers and manufacturers can take when working on this topic so do do you think that working on food loss requires a fundamental change in the way that companies operate and think at their core
1: a good question, Louise, and I think yes and no. Uh, um, look, there there will be some mindset changes that are required, right? Um, for example, you know, food loss. When you're in the food business, food loss is not just a subtopic of ESG that, by the way, only impacts some person somewhere or very far away, right? Um, it, it is really everyone's concern. And it is a reflection of inefficiencies in the system. And, and we really repeat this a lot, but it's, it's really important to understand that. Um, that's, I think one of the first big mindset shifts that needs to, to take place. It's really, all of the functions need to be on board. Um, procurement, supply chain, but also marketing and sales and R&D and manufacturing. And it's a cross value chain problem. Uh, whereby today maybe the value chain sometimes tends to work into silos they are going to have to, this requires coordination no single player can just fix food loss on their own right so that's maybe the first big big change um, there will also be you know within companies governance is going to be a key topic uh, when we were talking with the food loss member with the with the cgf food loss coalition members you know more than two thirds were saying we don't have the right governance Who's going to be in charge of, of fixing it? With whom? By when? How much? How will this be measured? Um, so governance will definitely also need to be adapted. Again, with this mindset of food loss is not just a small topic, that's one's person responsibility. Um, but also it's, it's not such a big shift in the way people are gonna work because if you think about it, reducing an inefficiency that's basically taking out costs, and then using what's left to create more growth. And that's what business do day in, day out, right? So what we're just telling them is just keep doing what you're doing, but think about food loss as part of what you're doing. Okay, so I think
0: challenges is something we have already started to, to talk about, but I want to dig into that a bit more. So what are the current gaps and, and perhaps roadblocks that you feel are preventing action on the topic?
2: Yeah, no doubt about it. it's It's a challenge, but a challenge we need to tackle. And um, Luis, you need to separate the roadblocks and challenges a little bit into the things we see in developing markets and the topics that we see in more developed countries. And I would simply say there are two types of of, of roadblocks or unlocks. The first one is missing tools and capabilities. And, and Moira pointed out to the first of them, which is which is transparency. So we don't, we are not aware of where and how much uh, loss we are we are we are happening. We are we are having in the the whole value chain. So having the transparency across steps is is the first thing that is missing. The second thing is clearly technology. And I'm not talking about one element of technology, I'm talking about crop resilience, soil sensors, forecasting tools, um, but also simple uh, adherence to cold chain best practices. Our our team uh, looked into the handling of nectarines, for example, and between top and medium performance in how you handle cold chains, there is a 10 percentage points in food loss. And this kind of having the right technology in different elements in different aspects of the value chain is just crucial. And it's it's a roadblock because this technology and these tools are not available um, uh, all over the production space. A third element is uh, the supply chain planning aspect, uh, aspect. We know that there are bulb effects. We know that the signals along the supply chains are not always accurate moving to a more integrated planning will help to match demand and supply so much better, avoid overproduction and, um, and food loss on the, on the same side. This is, this is something where alone we see a uh, potential of six to 11 percentage points in, in improvement. The second element beside the capabilities and tools that are missing is indeed the answer to the question, how? how do I really tackle food loss? And when we talk to the members of the Consumer Goods Forum, 60% said there is no clear accountability. We, there is no clear incentive actually to, to reduce it. So having a clear strategy and a consistent approach to food loss is part of the answer. We also know that some are struggling to identify the business case. Some are arguing that hmm, if, if I, reduce the post losses the post harvest losses at the farmers i'm just moving the problem elsewhere and i will have the losses so there are some mindset and some operating model challenges and often the missing strategies to food loss
0: thank you for sharing that sebastian so my next question then so if if, if a retailer or uh, packaged goods company. One of our members wanted to get started on this tomorrow. How would you advise that they go about that?
1: Um, look, as the as the best was saying, right, this is a topic that that can seem a bit challenging, and few have really challenged it already. Many feel it's it's a bit overwhelming, um, and are not sure where to start to have a real impact. But at the end of the day, Louise, it's a project. That's all it is, a project. So when we worked together with, with the team, with the, with the CGS and their members, we went at it the same way we would do any other ambitious project. We use a structured approach. First thing first, we're not gonna, you know, try to solve everything. We're gonna take one category. We're gonna look at tomatoes. We took a pilot. And then from there, we started mapping, becoming one of the words with the sentences that used to, to, to be said a lot was be the tomato starting to map the the value chain, understand what would happen to that tomato so so that we can really start creating the baseline, understanding where the loss is happening, how much is happening, who has that information. From there, really um, kind of understand and engage to to determine what the drivers are. And then we really try to push and have fact-based conversations to then design the levers, and more importantly, the programs based on the the right set of measures based on the profile of of the different pilot members we were working on, looking for the cost to act and the benefits. Um, And then from there, it's all about moving into implementation, right? And look, we've been tackling other challenges before as a society, like think about digitalization, right? 10 years ago, people were wondering, oh my God, how in the world are we gonna do this? And when, as Sebastian was saying previously, you set a clear vision, and when you just think about it as a normal project, and you go at it in a very structured, fact-based approach with your ambition, everything is at our fingertips. The approaches, the structure, the tools, everything is there. Um, so just treat it like a project.
0: Very wise words there. Thank you. So my final question then is: is you know been talking about taking action and moving forward on this if we look to the future how ready do you think our industry is to tackle this and what momentum have you already seen uh, happening
2: when i when i talk to chief sustainability officers or chief executives alike i think the topic is now more on the radar than it has been on in the past so for me the glass is clearly half full and we will see acceleration in the next years to come. We have been working uh, in the course of this uh, joint effort with with eight retailers and manufacturers very closely and seeing the commitment and the passion about the topic is clearly something which which makes me quite positive that the industry is not only willing but the industry will accelerate on the topic even more. And we will see that some champions are, are leading the pack there. But furthermore, there are so many decarbonization commitments out there now. So science-based targets have become the table stakes for grocers and um, for manufacturers alike. And scope three is more and more the, the, the big thing that is gonna be discussed and food loss reduction clearly pays into it. So if you want to tackle your scope three emission as a grocer across the food value chain, of course, food waste is something you, that needs to be on the agenda and finally i think that the situation is is really critical and tense and the war in ukraine has has led to tremendous destruction in arable land this is this is a nightmare what's what's going on and this has already huge impact on how we feed the world the world bank just forecasted that prices for food will increase by 20% globally this year so from a, from a geopolitical, from a sustainability and a social perspective, it's clear that we, we have nothing to waste or to lose anymore when it comes to food. So I think we will and we have to accelerate on the topic.
0: Brilliant. Well, thank you so much to both of you. That has been a very uh, content rich and passionately delivered episode. And I think you really packed so much great information in there. So thank you for sharing your knowledge and shining a light on, on this important topic. As you said, I think you know, food waste, and particularly working on upstream losses is such a huge business opportunity for our industry to to take action on. And, you know, I loved that Moira said something along the lines of, you know, just get started. It's consider it a project. So thank you so much to both of you. I think this, this episode will prove to be a very useful resource for our listeners.
2: Thanks a lot.
1: Thank you, Louise. Thanks a lot for having us.
0: If you would like to find out more about the consumer goods forum and our work on sustainability you can visit our website at www.theconsumergoodsforum.com if you enjoyed this episode please do subscribe to the podcast for more episodes coming very soon thank you and bye for now